Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Welcome to Boomtown, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this Boom. Boomtown. Explosion. Dynamite. <laughs> um, we are going to be drinking Boomtown and talking about Boomtowns. Isn't that right, Sarah? Such a nice pairing when it's the same thing. So perfect. I know. So this yeah. Is, this is a bottle that you, you've had for a little bit, right? Is it 2016? Yeah, it's a 2016 Boomtown Red Blend by Dusted Valley. I actually have had this before. Um, have you? Yeah. I had a couple oh. bottles of this once. Yeah. So, oh. Uh, so this is not my first time trying this. Okay. Um, so. But it's been a while. So it's a new taste. It's a fresh look. It's been a while. It's also probably aged a little extra, so we'll see yep. how that goes. Yeah. Um, this is a Washington wine from Columbia Valley. Yeah. Yes, and uh, red blend, so it's fifty percent Merlot, forty five percent Cab Sauv, and five percent Petit Verdot. Mm, um, a little bit of inkiness in there. Mm-hmm. And this was their first vintage red blend, the two thousand sixteen. So it's 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 a screw top. So I'm gonna go ahead and crack it. Yeah, I love that you're doing it the trick way. Oh, yes. You're Grab it from s- the, the bottom, not from the cap itself, from the exactly. bottom. Exactly. That's how they're made. I know. All I right. love that I'm trick. Pouring myself. And I will cheers to you, Miss Jamie. Oh, God. That was, that was kind of pathetic. <laughs> Actually, but I think it's, it sounded good on the Zoom. The clinking is not working out today as well. But it's just not. That's okay. That's okay. It's just way better in person. Well, go ahead and sniff and smell, or sniff and taste. This I is will. this is suggested retail is nineteen dollars, so that's not breaking yeah. the bank. No, and I think I've uh, I think I've seen it for cheaper. Um, yeah, it's twenty five percent new oak. I am. You can get a little bit of oak on there. A little mm-hmm. vanilla. Oh, okay, on, the, nice. on the nose. Um, and 100% of the fruit comes from Columbia Valley in Washington State. Now, I don't know if anyone, if our listeners here have seen Dusted Valley wines, um, but this is the same. So this is made by Dusted Valley. It's They call it like the little brother of Sort of like a Dusted little spinoff. Valley. Yeah, it's like, it's like a spinoff of Dusted Valley. So um, kind of a cool label. Um, on the back, it's, uh, there's a map on the label, and on the back it says, we set out with nothing more than a blank map, an unquenchable thirst for adventure, and a natural sense of direction, and that I ended up with a wine to write home about. Bring a glass and leave your comfort zone. This is Boomtown <laughs> by way of Dusted Valley. I like that. I will say that a uh, sense of direction is something that it took me, like, a good 24 years of my life to yeah. develop a sense of direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, ABV is 14.2%. So guess where these people are from? These winemakers. Oh my God. This is so weird. Where? Wisconsin, man. Do, do we know which part of Wisconsin? I don't know. Oh my God. I but, think that is so funny. The winemakers are Chad Johnson and Corey Braunel, and they are Wisconsin natives. And in 2003, they left their jobs 
and moved to Walla Walla to fulfill their dream of crafting world-class wine. Well, shit. They went to Walla yeah. Walla. Isn't that like a booming wine business? Yeah. They got boomtowned. Um, but their family created Dusted Valley in Boomtown. So it's kind of cool that they're from here. I don't know. I liked that little connection there. But um, the Boomtown wines are from McNary Vineyard, which is right along the Columbia River in the Horse Heaven Hills AVA. But I think that's a pretty say, small AVA. Is it? If I'm not mistaken. I think so. If yeah, I'm not you're probably right. That is the hallmark of their wine. And then they add roughly 10 to 15% of the Dusted Valley Estate fruit to this. So it does have a little bit of that. And it's McNary Vineyard is cool compared to the rest of Horse Heaven Hills, which is a very hot AVA for Washington. So this cooler climate that is unique to that AVA lends itself to a longer hang time of the grape and uh, ripeness, which leads to what they call old world sensibilities with bright core Washington fruit and natural acidity. I haven't tried this yet. I'm just babbling. Just, okay, you try that. Horace Heaven Hills is actually, it's pretty sizable in the context of like the other like smaller AVAs that Mm -hmm. comprise Columbia Valley AVA. So this is- What's it tasting like? It's very, very drinkable, sippable. You definitely, I don't think need food with it. It's a really good red blend. I'm getting like- that juiciness stuff you would get with Merlot, but some tannins from the cab that's kind of um, balancing everything out. I don't think it needs to like open up very much. It seems like it's very just drinkable now, like easy drinking. So yeah, for the price point, I mean, it's good so far. Oh, good. So, all right. Yeah. Is there anything else that we want to just chat about with respect to the wine? Um, I kind of like this one quote. I think it came from the website itself. Uh-huh. The word boomtown evokes a sense of excitement and adventure and speaks to our family's quest to pursue our dream of crafting world-class wine in Washington state. We took a leap of faith, left our comfort zone behind and forged our own path. This is our boomtown, which I think is remnant of what you read from the back of the bottle too. And I just kind of like, because like Boomtown, just granted that is the name of their wine, but that's not the name of their original wine, right? Which was Dusted Valley. And so it just really kind of serves as sort of the vision or the guiding force, almost the mission behind their actual wine and what they're doing out there. I am curious though, A, where in Wisconsin are they from? And B, why do they go specifically to Washington? I mean, I can certainly speculate there because back in 2003, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a brand new wine region, but it definitely is an up and coming wine region, right? Yeah, it is. And, so, and I think back then, especially. Yeah. And so maybe it was more of like the, I mean, I recall hearing other winemakers say that, you know, it's, it's less expensive to have vineyards in Washington as opposed to having vineyards in California. Right. So if you want to get like, you know, some good climates and things like that. And also like, if you want to talk about Washington in general, like Washington is where Syrah is booming. And I think that that is what is really fun to me because if somebody wants a a good Syrah or something, I'm like, we'll just get it from Washington and you should be fine. And they do have a boomtown Syrah, by the way. Mm, yeah. yeah, they've got, so they have other ones, not just this red blend. They've got a Cabernet, a Chardonnay, a Pinot Gris, and a Syrah. Mm, so fantastic. I am going to probably seek out that Syrah. 
And they say that these all their Boomtown vintages are like a unique blend for the red blend. So oh. they use the best of each of their varietals. So the red blend is not going to be the same every time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which makes oh. sense because you're using yeah. the best of what you had that year. I think that's that's great. Well, and I think it's interesting because you said the red blend has Petite Verdot in it and they don't have... I mean, other wines that have Petit Verdot uh, or like a varietal or anything. Or well, that might varietal. be from their Dusted Valley collection. Oh, but still in the same area. Okay, I got you. Possibly. Maybe. Yep. That's a good, that's a strong possibility for sure. So, well, anyways, right, cool. speaking of Boomtown, I'm going to keep sipping this because it is very drinkable, like I said. Um, <laughs> speaking of Boomtown. Down. Speaking of Boomtown. Let's talk boom towns. Boom. Boom. Maybe some of you listeners live in a boom town. So what exactly is a boom town? Okay. So (laughs) the actual definition is a community that undergoes sudden and rapid population and economic growth, or that is started from scratch. It's attributed to like a discovery of a precious metal, such as gold, silver, or like something like oil. So some natural resource that, that everybody flees to or flocks to, to either work around this resource or make money getting it. The first thing that immediately comes to mind is the gold rush. I was just going to say that. Of 1849. I mean, like that brought everybody out West and like people had never been that far and they're like, fuck it. Somebody said there's gold. I'm going. I'm going. Right. So like a lot of times these are like little middle of nowhere places that end up being somewhere becoming mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, they're characterized as overnight expansions in both population and money. So a lot of times people are also paid to go there because it is at first in the middle of nowhere. So they're getting paid more and they might be, as you said, striking it rich. Yeah. So, and the original ones for these are like mining towns. That's right. Like the perfect example. I mean, I feel like a lot of cities, you know, a lot of cities were developed to support a certain commodity or something like that or a certain trade. Uh And so, you know, you get like a lot of ports and things like that. They really built up and became maybe not boomtown necessarily as characterized by this, but slowly but surely kind of building up to support railways and, you know, things of that nature. But I do think immediately of the gold rush and the impact that that had in order to bring people further across the country and out West. So. Most definitely. Other characteristics are that like, usually there's some problems because the city's grown so fast. So yeah. Like there'll be a shortage of healthcare. Like there's not enough doctors because it's probably not a quickly. It grew too quickly. There might not be enough schools or housing. There might not be enough, like even like sewage disposal stuff or like water supplies, things like that, like that we take for granted in certain places. Like if everyone moves there super fast, like there's not enough resources to support that population. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like in business, businesses in general, one of the challenges is always growing too fast because you may certainly want to grow fast because it has, you know, you know, a nice bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. And so you would expect to see your revenues grow, but the 
the same problem I think applies or a similar problem where if you expand too quickly, you may not have the additional resources in order to, um, you know, make up for that or account for everything that you're going to need to in order to support that growth. So um, a lot of people decide that they'd rather just like explode quickly instead of taking the time to grow a little bit more um, organically and more slowly so that they can build things up over time and not feel those massive pain points. I mean, the ones that you just mentioned are pretty significant in my opinion. Oh, it's, Housing, I think it's a big doctor, deal. Schools, you know, yeah. sewage, you don't want your poop on the street. I don't know. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, ew. Like stuff you take for granted, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think the other thing too, right, is that there, it might not be, have a lot of recreational activities for people. What I think we I read before is that a lot of boom towns tend to be on like the coast. You don't tend to see a ton of boom towns happening in the Midwest here at the, in the U in the U S anyway. And that's because like you don't have as easy access or there aren't quite as many like recreational activities. Oklahoma city was one of those where they was just like literally dust, like in the middle of nowhere and people didn't have anything to do. And so in order to make it attractive, they had to start building parks and building stadiums and things like that. And oftentimes I wonder if that's why it's like these middle of nowhere towns almost that have like the best facility, like sports facilities or something, because that's going to attract more people, right? And they have lots of space to build it too. That is also true. Yep. They're not trying to like tear down blocks like city blocks right. or something they they do right. have that yeah you're right but what happens when like let's say the gold runs out <laughs> <laughs> uh sorry bye-bye yeah uh it becomes it goes bust bye it becomes a ghost town no bye felicia bye felicia a <laughs> uh, bye-bye <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, so, and that can have like significant impacts too, because let's say you have the infrastructure, you have the, the, the government, you have the community built up around this. And all of a sudden everybody just has this mass exodus. I don't even know what happens. It's like, in, it's like, you're horror SOL. Films. You're it's SOL. Like, yeah, exactly. So what are uh, some examples? You, you said the gold rush, which was California, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. What are some other examples? Uh, the gold rush, well, it was California. There was also um, Colorado was a big uh, gold mining area too, if I'm not mistaken. I remember like going there on a family trip and seeing all of like the gold and like mining towns and things like that around the area. Around um, like what part of Colorado? Are you talking Denver uh, or? You're really uh, testing my- Testing you? <laughs> <laughs> testing my memory here. But we went to like the Royal Gorge Bridge wherever that is in Colorado. And I think it's around those areas. But yeah, we we were in Denver, but we also traveled a little bit elsewhere because we were doing the Oregon Trail road road trip. Not the game? No, we got to see Buffalo Bill's house. Oh, wow. That is (laughs) pretty pretty sure his family was afflicted with uh, scarlet fever and dysentery, much like the other people Uh, on the Oregon Trail. That's no fun. You Um, have died from dysentery. (laughs) You lose. Um, But anyway, so there are some other ones. Uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. It is the middle of Sioux and Crow hunting grounds, but gold seekers also flock to Sheridan, Wyoming. And I've never heard of Sheridan, Wyoming. I, I, as soon as I read it, I was like, I feel like I learned about that in history class a long ass time ago. Oh, you were paying attention. I was not. 
I did not pay attention to history. Thank you, Mr. Biddles in eighth grade, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was, this is the same area that is home to um, some of the legends, as one website referred to them. Mm. Uh, Red Cloud, Sitting Bull, and Crazy Horse. Oh. Some of the Native Americans. Sounds like casinos. <laughs> it does. It, you know, you're, you're right. Um, but some of these might also feel sound a little familiar because of some battles that were fought there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, General Custer, do you that sounds yeah, familiar, okay. Right? I know, I know him. I remember okay. him. I don't know what he did, but I remember him. Uh, he got his he got all his people killed. Oh, it's not a good thing to be remembered <laughs> for. Custer's last stand, uh, which happened in 1876. It's also called the Battle of Little Bighorn, but yeah, he uh, was not so great, and a lot of people died. Um, God damn you, Custer. Damn you. But I like custard. Give me some of that. That's true. Okay. Um, another one. This I thought was funny. Dodge City. I don't know why, but I heard Dodge City, and I thought of Dodge. which Like the car. Yeah, but that's yeah. Michigan. Right. Well, there but isn't a Dodge not- City in Michigan. It's just that Dodge is from Detroit. Correct. So I quickly mm-hmm. learned that. <laughs> but Dodge yeah. City is actually in Kansas. And you know that phrase, get out of Dodge? Yeah. Yep. That's like from this Dodge oh, City. Oh, really? Why did that's- everyone need to like get out? Like, I, I, get, what, what I mean, like, think about the bust. I don't know. Um, so Dodge City was actually a railhead for longhorns, you know, like the big cattle with like the crazy ass oh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh, horns, basically. Yeah. And so from Texas, people used to bring them up to Kansas and start tossing them on railways in order to ship them out west. Oh. They had a lot of Wild West shenanigans out in Kansas. But again, uh, just a surprising one because that was, I think, where a lot of the railroads that were built just kind of intersected. And so that was why it became a boom town. Wow. You're teaching me so much about history that I, I probably learned but forgot. <laughs> I, you're welcome. I yeah, know. You really, I know that you felt like you were missing out on this. <laughs> I did. Now I remember who Jen, I mean, I knew who Custer was, but now I know what he did, which what he was did. not good. What, no. Yeah. Not so great. So, um, and then another one that I thought was interesting, and I didn't really know. Maybe you knew because you've been to South Africa, mm-hmm. but Johannesburg. Oh, is it considered? I did not know that. It is considered a boomtown because it was established in 1886 following the discovery of gold and also became a big center for the diamond trade too. So it's, Ooh. it's still like mineral rich and it's based on like the, the hills that are nearby, but it's a huge, huge city that is continuing to grow. And I think a lot of people still flock there and a lot of companies sure. are based there too, right? That's true. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, a little stat from way back when, is that with the gold deposits that were found along this range of hills, the Whitwater's Rand? I don't know. In a matter of 10 years, back in like the 1800s, it grew to 100,000 inhabitants. Think of all of the cities, even around here in the States, that do not have 100,000 inhabitants. And that's like by the standards of like 2020. That's not, or 2021. That yeah, is not. Yeah, I guess it's some smaller places for sure. Yeah. But like even Milwaukee is definitely over that. It's over that, but yeah. we're not, I mean, it's not that much over that. I mean, it's like, 
what is it? How much do we have? How many do we have? In Milwaukee proper, it's over yeah. 200. And then I think if you count the surrounding areas, it's much bigger. We'll look it well, up. But, okay, but think about that. So it's over 200,000 in Milwaukee proper. But think about in the 1800s. Oh, I'm such a liar. What is it? It's like 600,000 in Milwaukee. Regardless, 600,000 by today's standards. Think about it 140, 150 years ago. And it was 100,000. That is true. That is true. Holy crap. That's a lot of people. So anyway, but those are some of like the, I think the bigger like original ones that I like struck out to me from the list of uh, boomtowns. Okay. Well, thanks for that overview. Um, I guess when I'm thinking boomtown in the U S like modern day, not back gold rush days, like, yeah, now, yeah. you know, I think of like places where there's like been tech and like everyone flocks to. So like, I think of like Austin, Texas or, you know, other places like, in, like Denver, Denver, not for tech reasons, but like Denver, I feel like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, it was like much smaller. And now it's become like everyone moved to Denver, right? Oh, yeah. I feel like Denver was, everyone was flocking to Denver not too long ago. Yeah. And then other places like Seattle, like I feel like people started flocking yep. to. Um, and then you kind of gave us this list of the top boom towns in America based on five year population change in the housing growth rate and things like that. And the number one was Longmont, Longmont, Colorado. I don't know where that is. And I've been to Colorado. I mean, I don't really either, but they were saying, I mean, one of the interesting things, so this is from taken from smartasset.com. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, based on like 2019 um, information, I think. I believe they said the normal growth for a town is somewhere around like 2% population change um, annually. Uh And some of these from their list, I am just going to say it's astounding. Frisco, Texas had a five-year population change by 30% almost. Oh, wow. Um, Enterprise, Nevada, wherever the hell that is, almost a 50% growth in five years. It's astronomical. It's really, I mean, it's wild, man wild that is crazy it looks like longmont is in boulder which makes sense oh yeah it does make a lot of sense like i feel like everyone went to boulder don't you think that that um the influx of humans to colorado had to do with a marijuana and b craft beer and i think just (laughs) the accessibility to outdoor recreation Oh, sure yeah that too i'm just thinking about like economies yeah. Oh, for sure. Marijuana was huge. Yeah. I mean, like, have you been to Denver lately? Five years ago, I was. Okay. Do you remember smelling weed, like, in everywhere? No. I mean, I knew it was places. I saw billboards, but I didn't I remember smell it. going to the airport last time, and I could smell weed in my Uber. And it wasn't the Uber driver. It was, like, driving through things. That's incredible. You know? That's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. So some of the other ones that I thought were interesting, because like you said, Sarah, you know, Seattle, um, San Jose was one that, that you and I were talking about a little bit before we started recording. Yeah. Um, Austin, Texas, you know, things that they tend to be a little bit more tech based 
nowadays. I think right. when we see these explosions and we see these boom towns. But what's really struck me about this other t- other list from it's spinxdigital.com. Um, it's talking about like the top 10 boom towns of the future. And the ones that are on the list are somewhat surprising in my opinion, um, because they are not actually just related to tech and just related to um, industries that are growing. Some of it is related to like um, Myrtle Beach is on here. Uh, Hmm. which to me was kind of funny, but it said it was because affordable housing, um, over 200 days of sunshine, plenty of outdoor recreational activities, and some of the most beautiful beaches. I mean, I know a lot of people vacation there, but it's just, I think that that is really interesting because in our day and age of society, like we have a lot of different, um, we have accessibility which is both a good thing and a bad thing to some extent. Mm -hmm. But I feel like because people are able to work kind of wherever now, and there's this whole like remote situation and an influx, then we're seeing people kind of saying, you know what, forget this. I don't need to live in the big cities anymore. I don't need to deal with crazy commutes. I'm going to go live somewhere where I'm happy and I can go do something after work that I really enjoy doing. And so I, I feel like the definition of boomtown or what can spark a boomtown uh, is kind of changing a little bit. Yeah, no, you're right. And we talked about this before, like when COVID hit, people flocked out of New York and, and same thing now, there's like an exodus out of California. And I think yeah. that people are looking for these like smaller towns that have accessibility to some of that outdoor recreation and aren't in the middle of the freezing yep weather like us the winter tundra um but (laughs) you know on your list here is grand rapids which we considered moving to grand rapids i mean i know i'm from michigan but we definitely considered it um daytona beach i don't know how i feel about that that's too spring break that's that's what i was thinking too and i was like ah pass hard pass. yeah hard pass uh, but, um, yeah. So what other things like do you think about when you think about these like boom towns? Cause I know like Austin blew up. Yeah. Like my friend, one of my best friends moved out there probably 10 years ago now. And I remember when she moved, I was like, okay, you're going to Austin. Like what's there, you know? And now it's like everyone has moved to Austin and like, it's so come become that they, the infrastructure couldn't keep up and like they had so much traffic because the roads oh, yeah. were just not made for all those people, you know? It's funny you say that because last time we were down there and this was probably, oh my God, this was probably like four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time we were in Austin and I just remember actually the past couple of times I've been there, I just remember like streets torn up, like completely and tons of construction for like hotels and things like that. And yeah. I think that they, they are certainly, you know, trying to build up and be able to support all the growth and the right. increased traffic. Right. Yeah. It's so true. Um, yeah. And I think some of the other things is like, like you talked about the housing growth, you know, in these places, like it's great because the housing is initially cheaper, but it's sometimes so hard to find a house because there's so many people and there's not enough people, so many people moving in and not enough people selling. So unless you're like building new housing, which can be difficult 
to do and keep up with the growth, you know, there's a lack of housing there. So that is, you know what, that's a really interesting point. And I wonder, I wonder what others think about this because, you know, I remember talking to someone when I was in Dallas for a work meeting and I was talking to like some, I think the Uber driver or whatever. And they were explaining like how challenging it is to find housing, despite there being so much like being built up. It's just the, the dollars associated with it. Cause Dallas has certainly seen an increase in cost of living as well. Mm-hmm. But I think about like, even around here, like when I drive around and I, we keep seeing all of these like smaller, like apartment complexes going up. And I'm just like, is there a demand for that? Like, I don't, we here in Milwaukee don't have like a great public transportation system. And so when you start to move further out from the downtown area, I don't quite understand, like, unless you provide parking, like how it's like, what its appeal is. But that's like one thing that I think about because in order to start building those communities, those buildings and things like that for apartments, condos, et cetera, there's a lot of planning that goes into that. That's not like a, oh, I just woke up one day and decided to buy this plot of land and throw up a big building to Well, I think there's some forethought with what's going on and people well, are paying attention to growth. Like if you look at, at least here, if you look at between Illinois and Wisconsin on the border, if you remember, I moved to Milwaukee in 2011. Originally? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing there. You would drive and there was not a building, nothing. And now, not only have they expanded the highway, mm-hmm. but you're seeing all these buildings coming up. Oh, And my, oh, it's yeah. because there's so much industry coming in and you see Amazon's there mm-hmm. and Uline. Uline's got and, three massive buildings along 94. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Future home of Haribo. The bear, the gummy bears. Oh, that I'm excited. I was hoping that maybe they would like, I don't know, that you would drive by and there would be like gummy bears shooting out at you or something like that. Uh, that would be a dream. If it started raining gummy bears, I think I would be a really happy person. Especially Haribo ones. They are delish. I, um, I made the mistake of buying like a three pound bag. It didn't last very long. <laughs> For Halloween, they have the small little ones with the mini ones. Those are so good. Oh, I'm Love sure. Them. I'm sure. Anyway, so yeah, just kind of seeing all that, people are like moving in, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to watch. Can you take us back to the boom town in your glass? The wine, please. The boom town in my glass. Yeah, hold on. I got to pour a little more because, you know, I drank it all. Because as you said, it's very sippable. 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 <sighs> so yeah, I think this is just like a really good staple red blend. It's like I think you're not going to go wrong. So it's, funny, you you were cracking me up a little bit just because. Well, granted, it's almost half and half Merlot Cab. Yeah, but you're not a massive Merlot fan, and I'm so not. I just but think, I think it's really funny. I think um, the Cab adds structure to it. Are and you, you getting like it. tannins and stuff? There's a little bit, yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit tannin. You definitely see the inkiness in the color from the Petit Verdot. Yeah, even that small um, percentage. Yeah, even that small, it just adds to the color, I think, and probably some of the structure. But yeah, it's nice because it's it's fruity, but then there is still that like structure. My thing with Merlot, I don't dislike Merlot, but I'm very picky on which Merlot I'm going to drink because a lot of times it's fleeting. It comes off the tongue so fast. You're like, oh, yeah. where'd you go? Hello? 
I want know, a wine that hangs around a little bit. Yeah, I want a wine that hangs around. And so like a boom town. Exactly. Or or it doesn't turn, turn it doesn't a turn town. to a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is nice because it is kind of very easily drinkable because you do have that fruitiness from the Merlot. And it's not, you know, some cabs are very powerful and you have to like let them open and sip them and whatever and baby them a little bit. Yeah. I don't think you have to do this with the, with this. And so that's, I think, nice because if you are just hanging out at home, you want to literally crack a bottle open, especially like just, you you know, maybe it's you're not looking to open like the most special thing. It's just kind of to hang out. Like this would be, I think, a really good option. Nice. All right. So it I would put like it a on glowing my, review. I would put it on my my everyday don't care if you open, but still delicious wine. Uh-huh. And then there's the more like the stuff in the basement's like the serious stuff. <laughs> like don't touch there, don't touch without asking me or cut your hand off kind of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This would go like on the, yeah, this is a, cause like I'm not going to put crap wine in my everyday drinking wine because I don't want to drink crap wine ever. So like this would be good in like that, that spot because I know it's going to be, good to drink. You know, it's probably one of those reliable wines is what I'm saying. I'm like super interested because you were drinking the first vintage that they made of this wine. And I'm curious what the later vintages taste like now too. I, this might be like peak, like peak drink time. It might be. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, um, friends, I don't know if you're living in a boom town, but or thinking about moving to one, but whether or not, I hope we gave you just some, you know, things to think about. Nice little history lesson too. Nice little history lesson. <laughs> uh, I sincerely hope that Milwaukee doesn't turn into a, like a crazy boom town, even though I know it's growing just because like, I don't want all the traffic and all that BS that comes with it. So um, if you were thinking of moving here, don't <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally just kidding. Uh, kind of. <laughs> I'm, it's half and half. We're, it's, it's like, well, I'm kind of kidding. I'm kind of not. Kind you of know. not. Because, but, because again, like with it all comes all of these other concerns and problems, you know? Yeah, but, and if uh, it's not like well thought out, then it's very challenging to support the boomtown growth. Plus, it's really cold here, guys. You don't want to come. Stop it. It's awful. Oh, it's, it's awful. so dreary. Oh, my God. So, yeah. We hate it here. We Nobody hate ever it. come here. No. <laughs> You're hilarious. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right. So, well, thanks for listening, y'all. And I just threw out a y'all because we were talking about Texas, y'all. There you um, go. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Well, we will catch you next time. Boom. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.